This week's podcast brought to you by Chicken Balls. We're in Cape Cod, and I was boogie boarding with our nine and seven year olds uh, on a sandbar in the out uh, in the ocean. And I looked up, and our son said, "What's that?" And there's always seals that are swimming by. And uh, I said, I think it's a seal. And he looked at me kind of quizzically. And this seal was about, say, 10 yards from us out in the water. And we took one more wave in. And as we were walking up the beach, my son said, look, that's a fin. And I look out in the water. And indeed, that was not a seal. That was a shark. We saw the fin. Our son had seen it when it was 10 yards from us. And that's when the lifeguards started blowing their whistles and yelling and getting everyone out of the water. Not one of my finer parenting moments. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. We're coming to you not quite live from Cape Cod this week, and as beautiful as the weather is and the beach and everything else, we probably won't have the same positive vibes that we had last week with Miss Rowe as our guest. Yeah, she was unbelievable. A lot of feedback from people on Twitter um, who just loved Holly and her stories. But of course, uh, you have to. And yesterday, Monday, she posted on Instagram a video that's um, got close to a million views by now. Uh, she was at her last chemotherapy treatment. So for the past two years, she's gone in for her chemotherapy treatments and her doctor feels that she's at a, a good enough place where um, they can just monitor her with scans and she won't have to do her treatment anymore. So that was huge news. And um, if you haven't seen Holly's video that she put on Instagram, highly recommend people watch it. And uh, Holly plugged her, her chemo on our, on our show. <laughs> All right, we were asking about upcoming things that she had going on and she mentioned well, I mean that was a big one though it's of course that, that was a big one for her to uh to finally be done with that is um is great because I mean there's so many things that people don't know she did a WNBA game a couple years ago um she she wanted to be at the um the opener of the season she worked with the chemo port in her uh wherever they put it I don't know if it's in your chest or wherever she she goes above and beyond because she loves covering her sports it's also a good distraction to keep her mind off of things um but she's she is one of a kind and for those who listened to the podcast last week know that without question she's one of a kind and before she left our house we took what what we gave the camera to our 13 year old who to take our picture of the three of us and our 13 year old suggested we take an what she called an awkward family photo you've seen these awkward family photo books so we tried to come up with the most awkward family photo possible. We, the three of us stair-stepped on the front stairway. And as we were ta- posing for that picture, our 11-year-old daughter walked in and said, okay, I'm so confused right now. <laughs> I posted that picture on, I think it was on our Twitter account, ball, at Ball and Chain Pod. Uh, so if people want to see that picture, they can see it there. But yeah, after we were done doing the podcast, um, 
our kids, our daughters just adore Holly. So our three daughters, me and Holly, went shopping. So um, and Holly bought each of them lipstick. Our seven-year-old was thrilled with uh, with her lipstick. Which, so which was ridiculous because when she arrived at our house, she came bearing gifts for all of the kids and myself. Yeah, she brought me a T-shirt from Minnesota. Yeah, she gave me a coffee mug from Minnesota. So um, yeah, just. She was the guest on our podcast. We should have been giving her gifts and swag, and instead well, she was doing the reverse. We did give her a gift, a parting gift, as they say on old game shows. It, literally the least we could do. She saw my vinyl copy of Whipped Cream and Other Delights by Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass, an album that her dad had had, and it reminded of her of her dad, and she liked it so much that we said, take it. And she did. Yeah, she said uh, her, her father played in a, in a band. He was a trumpet player. He was actually buried with his trumpet, she told me. But um, it just made her think of her dad. So so after Holly was at our house, we had a couple of days. And, and the reason she was in Connecticut was there was the college football meetings. And so then we had to fly back to Minnesota. Oh, no, we were flying to L.A. For, for the Sparks, Minnesota at L.A. Sparks game. And Holly and I were on the same flight. And... I almost felt bad because as we're walking through the airport, she's carrying this massive bag in one arm and on the, on the other side, she was carrying the album <laughs> through. We had a, uh, we went through, I think, Minneapolis actually on our way to L.A. the whole time carrying this giant bag full of just stuff, football information, WNBA information, and in the other hand, the Herb Alpert. <laughs> so perhaps it was one of those examples of she didn't really want it. I forced it upon her. And now she's walking through the airport with could be Herb Alpert and the Tijuana But Brass. I did, I did offer to to carry it for her, and she would not let me do that. So, um, so yeah, so so there was that. By the way, Herb Alpert founded A and M Records. The A in A and M Records is Alpert. I didn't know that. With Jerry Moss, who is the M in A and M Records. See, this is one of those times where is this part of the the book you're working on now? No, that this no, information no, is no, no. Of course not. It? No, I, I just I never listened to Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass growing up. We got that album from your dad. It was in your mom and dad's record collection. When we liquidated that after we got our turntable, that was one of the uh, albums we took. Well, and it's that, been much parodied. Well, the Soul Asylum, a Minneapolis band, had in had like a EP or something called uh, Clam Dip and Other Delights, in which one of the members of the band, a male, was on the cover covered in Clam Dip. Well, this will really impress me. What does the A or the what does the M stand for in Texas A and M? Magricultural. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Well, we'll I get don't know. Something that would be easily we'll, Googled in it. We're going to get a lot of mechanical something. Yeah, probably. We'll figure it out. But I think we should make it our life's goal. I mean, our, our this coming month's goal, because it shouldn't take a lifetime to get Holly and her, her idol, Angela Lansbury, together somehow yeah we've Ms. got Rowe a, and mrs potts we've got to figure out a way that they can meet up for lunch or that holly can meet her after a show or uh i mean we get her courtside seats to a WNBA game i don't know but yeah we we have to make that happen for sure i don't think i ever saw an episode of murder she wrote did you um no i think my mom would watch it on occasion but i was i was a little kid i think when that was on it's so familiar to me because Pat Summerall on CBS football coverage saying, stay tuned after the game for Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, so then in 60 minutes, of course, except on, on the on West Sundays. Coast. Yeah, sure. Been traveling a lot the last three weeks for the WNBA All-Star Game, games all over the place. And uh, one of the things that 
uh, caught my attention. A couple weeks ago, I was flying to Dallas, and there's actually a direct flight from Hartford to Dallas if you go on American Airlines. So I did, and um, and I was upgraded to first class, and they were serving uh, a meal. And the flight attendant came by and she um, asked me if I wanted the chicken meatballs for dinner. And she just said, would you like the chicken meatballs? They're not very good. And uh, <laughs> I appreciated that hard sell. And then the following flight, I, I, when I flew back, I couldn't get on a direct flight. So I was on Delta and the announcement came over the PA system. They, you know, they talked about today on our flight, we'll be serving peanuts, something, something. And our famous Biscoff cookies. And I was just thinking it's that's a little bit more of a um, hard sell by uh, by Delta than it was by American. I could either have the chicken meatballs that aren't very good or the famous Biscoff cookies. Well, there's a redundancy in there. This is the first time hearing this. Chicken meatballs. Chicken, of course, is meat. But I guess they don't want to say, would you like the chicken balls? <laughs> yes, they, they would. That would probably... Um, get as many people wanting those as the the saying chicken meatballs, they're not very good. Speaking of meat, and this is just a recovered memory from this past week, I was driving with our oldest daughter and Meatloaf, Paradise by the Dashboard Light came on mm -hmm. and the artist and song are displayed on the center console there. And our 13 year old said, I thought Meatloaf was a rapper. <laughs> Oh, well, in that one part of Paradise by the Dashboard Light, he sort of is rapping, That's Phil Rizzuto. That's, that's the scooter, Yankee broadcaster yeah, Phil, Rizzuto, Phil Rizzuto, who, is. who was talking over the play-by-play, uh, the -play, who right. was doing the play-by-play. -play. Right. Right. Well, she also, on that same car ride, uh, mentioned when, I don't know if it was Reunited came on, I think. Could have been Shake Your Groove thing, but she said, oh, peaches and herb. <laughs> and I said, no, it's peaches and herb. Peaches and herb would be a Lay's potato chip or possibly right. an ice cream. Well, in fairness, if something is going to be spelled H-E-R-B and follow peaches, you would just assume it was herb. It's true. Uh, I, I don't remember which city I went to on, on one of these many trips I've been on, but I went to check into the hotel and they didn't have my they didn't have a reservation. And the woman said, I don't have a reservation for you. I, it was around 10 p.m., she said, and the hotel sold out. And I picked up my phone and I said, here, I have it right here in my what my work sent me. I have a room here for the next two nights. And she said, no, it's not in here. And fortunately, as this was happening, the manager came by and we stay at this hotel a lot. And so he, he greeted me and he said, there's obviously been a mistake because um, we've got the rest of the ESPN crew who are staying here. And he found me a room and he said, we don't have a room, but I'll just count on somebody canceling. Um, but it went pretty smoothly. Have you ever had the experience where you went to check into a hotel and there was no room for you? There's no, no room at the end? I've had every possible hotel experience you could have checking in. I've checked in, been given the wrong room, and walked in to a room that was occupied at midnight at Boston Logan. Um, I've checked into a hotel, with, attempted to, with no record of my reservation or anything, only to find after much trial and error this was in Spokane, Washington, that my room had been reserved under the name Tom Warner because at the time Sports Illustrated was owned by Time Warner. <laughs> um, and one time, yes, I was in Delhi, India with my friend, the photographer, Simon Broody. We were on a story for SI in India and we had taken a long train ride from the Punjab down to Delhi and gotten off this train and gotten onto one of those three-wheeled 
taxi cart things that careened through the chaotic streets of Delhi. We went to uh, one of the nice hotels in town without a reservation and rolled up about 11 p.m. and asked if they had any room at the end. And the guy said, no, I'm sorry, we're completely sold out. And this was about the third hotel that we had checked along this little strip of hotels. And Simon said, so you're telling me that if President Bill Clinton showed up here, this was in the late 90s, you would tell him, you're sorry, you don't have a room? And the guy said, well, we do, of course. I would give him the presidential suite. And Simon says, we'll take the presidential suite. And for some exorbitant cost to Sports Illustrated, we got a presidential suite with a giant fruit basket when we walked in and slept there until morning before we both had flights out of Indira Gandhi International Airport. Do you have any idea what the cost it was, of that it was, was rather Sports steep. Illustrated? Yeah. And I, I was the one who expensed it. And uh, my flight then was delayed for 36 hours at Indira Gandhi Airport. It was during the uh, Cricket World Cup was going on in India. So I watched that in, in, some, in, in the Maharaja room, actually, at Indira Gandhi Airport. And um, that's my memory of that similar experience. But it, it, to your point, there's always a room. I, um, even even if they don't have a room, they right, will make your there, room. There's a room. I, I had an experience a couple of years ago. I went to College Park to do a, a Maryland women's game. And I uh, for some reason, I took an early morning flight in instead of going in the night before the game. I uh, checked into the hotel. They gave me my key. I went to my room. I opened the door. And it was early, maybe 8 a.m. Because you can get early flights from Hartford to, down to, to that area. Walked in the room and there was a 6'6 gentleman standing right in front of me in his underpants. And I just said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> They've given me the wrong room. It ended up being one of our cam cameramen. And so now whenever I see him, I say, well, hello. It's good to see you clothed. Um, but that could have been a precarious <laughs> encounter. There's nothing a 6'6 gentleman likes to hear more when he's standing there in his underwear than, ooh, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Especially from someone he knows. <laughs> so one of the hotels that we stay at in one of the cities that we visit when we do WMBA games is a Westin. So there's a card when you get to the bathroom in the Westin and it lets you know that they loan workout clothes. So if you forgot to pack your workout clothes for free, the Westin loans you workout clothes. And every time I see the sign, I just think how disgusting that is. The one thing I don't want to borrow is something that somebody else has not just worn but sweated in and you know for a woman it would be a sports bra shirt shorts maybe spandex um i just think that sounds disgusting and i'm curious how many people actually take the weston up on it how many you know how many size xls or larges or whatever do they have i i, I don't know if it includes shoes too but it just seems like a really weird thing for a nice hotel to offer do you do you think they don't wash them? Of course they wash them, but I don't know if you know this, but when you work out in something repeatedly, it gets a stink, well, even if you wash it then frequently. I mean, it's just, especially, just think, okay, you for don't a woman know, You don't to, know if I know this because I don't work out no, or I have no sense of smell. You, your sense of smell is poor. Um, but, you know, for a woman, I don't want to wear a sports bra that who knows how many other women have worn. That's like if, you know, a jock strap, if people still or, wore those. Or, or that, would be like use, or, that would be like using the bed sheets at a hotel. Yeah, but you, you, you don't know that every time somebody lays in the bed sheets, they're sweating in them. You know that every time somebody works out, 
The clothes are clinging to their body and they're sweating in them and they're getting stinky. Well, That's then, all I'm saying. Uh, they, they're just giving people who want it the option. Clearly you don't want it and don't have to take the option. Okay, so this is what I want. I want to, if any of our listeners have ever used this service at, at, at the Westin Hotel, if they've ever on their travels borrowed the workout clothes, send us a tweet um, at Ball and Chain Pod on Twitter or send an email which is ballandchainpod at gmail.com and let us know what it was like to, to get those clothes, if they felt clean, you if really you think, would do it again. Do you really think somebody has done this in the listenership? In our listenership? That wouldn't surprise me. A lot of these people <laughs> are saying, a lot of these people are your fans. It, it, so I think it can't I be a, so. it can't be a large number overall who do this. I, I'm sure there are some people who, like me, have requested this workout is, clothes. This is what I know with complete certainty. If there's any people listening that have done it, they're men. Requesting women's workout clothes? <laughs> Maybe. Well, this is not workout clothes, but Holly, when she was here, was uh, rocking a designer fanny pack. They're was, definitely back. Oh, without question. The Boston Globe has recently done a story, and fanny packs are back. They're, they're high fashion. They're. I knew it was back the second I saw Megan Rapinoe wearing one you know, we talked about this when, when we were out in Seattle. She was at the Seattle store game, Storm game. Um, so, yeah, the second Holly had hers, and hers was had spikes and studs and all kind of fancy stuff on it. Um, she's She she wore it a ton. Every time we're together now, she's wearing it. So if, if Holly Rose wearing it, it's definitely back. This raises a question because I heard somebody say somewhere recently that that's really good um, background by me about, you know, uh, double-breasted sh- suits, when people used to wear double-breasted suits. And then... Uh, recently our kids were were watching Wheel of Fortune and Pat Sajak was in a double-breasted suit and this was one of the recent Wheel of Fortune. Do we know if he ever left the double-breasted no, suit? No, I, I doubt he did. Um, I didn't. I don't know. Can you still buy a double-breasted suit? Do people sure. still wear double-breasted suits? Sure. Do they still wear the, the I, guy, I don't the, ever see people The guy who was who sort of rocked the double-breasted suit more than anybody was, was Latterman back in the of course, yeah. early 90s. He was always wearing a double-breasted suit. But he's not he doesn't wear them anymore. Like when he when he does his show which I really enjoy on Netflix, I believe he's in the I don't would it be he, a single-breasted suit. What would those be called? Yeah. Well, he's not wearing a triple-breasted suit. Well, I don't know if they're just called suits they are. and then and then the others are double-breasted or if you have to like like NBA, it's not called men's NBA, it's NBA and then you've got the well, WNBA, would it be suit and double-breasted or do you no. have to say single-breasted? I don't know, suit? but speaking of that, you say it's the WNBA, it's not the men's NBA. Our youngest, you weren't here. We were watching uh, Red Sox Yankees and our youngest, our 7-year-old daughter said to me, "Dad, who is the best girls softball team in MLB <laughs> and I said there I said there isn't there aren't girls teams in MLB and she wasn't happy about that that I, I don't think I told you this either this is a couple weeks ago and I was sitting and watching a Lynx game a Minnesota Lynx game on my iPad and our son was up there and our our 11 year old daughter and our son just looked over and he saw the court and he saw the uniforms, which are similar color to the, t- to the Timberwolves. And he said, um, Mom, is that the Timberwolves girls team? And our 11-year-old, who is all over all of this, said, um, no, the Timberwolves are the Lynx boys team. And um, she was very adamant about that. She's the same daughter who wanted to uh, get out of the store at the Mall of America because she recognized that they weren't selling Lynx merchandise. But, um, but I liked that. Is that the... 
Timberwolves girls team? No, that's the Lynx boys team. While we're on this subject, we both read independently. You were out of town and I read it in the Washington Post. Then unbeknownst to me, my dad sent you a link to the same column that was uh, in the Washington Post by Devereaux Peters. The former player for Notre Dame. She played uh, in the WNBA for the Minnesota Lynx, then the Indiana Fever, um, and recently was in the Washington Mystics training camp, but recently was picked up by the Phoenix Mercury. So that's the roster she's on right now. And the column was about the strange phenomenon of throughout her career, men have come up to her, asked her if she plays basketball, and then finding out that she's a professional, challenge her to play them in one-on-one. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Yeah. And it is a bizarre... It's a weird thing. I mean, that happened to me all the time in college, uh, from college on. Um, You know, and it's just guys would say, uh, you play basketball? Yeah, I bet. What it was is, it's not, do you want to play one-on-one? It's, I bet I could beat you in one-on-one. And it's just such a dumb thing to say. And and one of the points that she brought up is inevitably when she would play against these guys, and Devereaux's about 6'2", really athletic type of player, inevitably when you'd play against the guys and and if um, she articulates this well in her column when you start winning then it gets really physical and they start hammering you and fouling and and guys are big and strong and often bigger and stronger than even female professional athletes and you just put yourself at risk of injury and that was the point of her column is I'm not doing this anymore you know I, uh, I I make my living playing basketball now but it is a weird thing like a woman I don't think that that would ever come out of a woman's mouth. I don't think a woman's basketball player would ever, you know, talk to a guy, oh, you play basketball, I bet I could beat you one-on-one. Like, it's just a dumb thing to say. Or, oh, you sell ball bearings? I bet I could sell more ball bearings than you do. Right. You always use ball bearings. Do people actually sell ball bearings? I'm, somebody must. Ball bearings exist. They must. In, in they, what, though? In uh, the cars? Is that? I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm sure that like people... How, your, your go-to example is always the ball bearing. <laughs> Why? Just because you like the way it sounds? Yeah, why not? The alliteration of the ball bearing? But uh, I'm just busting your ball bearing, that's all. Talking about the WNBA, something interesting happened in the league, something that's never happened before uh, about a week ago, and that's the Las Vegas Aces had all kinds of trouble issues, or travel issues. They were trying to fly from Vegas to Washington, D.C. And most teams, you'll travel the day before the game, and they got to the airport around 11 in the morning, flight was delayed 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 eventually canceled they had to get it on a red-eye flight that brought them to dallas they had more issues there eventually got to washington the game was supposed to be at seven o'clock i think they landed around 3 p.m game was pushed until 8 p.m and the players decided that they weren't going to play they called the players association they had apparently dialogue with the players association throughout this process they had dialogue with the WNBA league office throughout this process And eventually, um, because they felt that they were going to put themselves um, in a position to for harm and injury, they decided not to play. So, 90 minutes before the game was supposed to tip at eight o'clock, it was the information was sent out that the game was canceled. And uh, there, this is a really hard travel year for the WNBA. The season is is condensed because the uh, World Cup which is an Olympic qualifier for the USA team is happening in uh, late September, October. And so a season that normally lasts 16 weeks and ends mid-October this year is only lasting 13 weeks. And so the same number of 34 games have to be played in a 13-week period. So a lot of teams are playing every other day. A lot of teams have back-to-backs. There's travel issues. 
But this is the first time a team has refused to play. And uh, I asked Carolyn Swords, their player rep, I said, what makes this different? In the course of the last 22-year history of the WNBA, what makes this so much worse than travel issues that other people have dealt with? And she said it was the fact that they never got a night's sleep. They were stuck on a red eye that continued to be delayed. They never got to sleep. And even when you have a back-to-back, even if it's three or four hours at the hotel, you get some time to sleep. So... It was interesting. Just today we found out the league issued a statement that they are going to have to forfeit the game. It has huge playoff implications. Uh, when this happened, Vegas was just one game out of the playoff race. Washington, their opponent, um, was is still trying to um, hold on to one of the top four positions, could could even work their way into second position. So it was an interesting thing to happen. And you know, when I was playing, there were tons of travel issues. There were back-to-backs where you would not get much sleep and have to play the next day. The worst travel issue we ever had was my last year in the WNBA, 2003. And we were playing in Cleveland. This is when Cleveland still had a franchise. And you must remember this. You were back in Connecticut. But um, it was when we had the um, blackout on the east eastern seaboard. And we were in Cleveland, and there was no power and so we couldn't fly home. They had to cancel our game because there's no power in the arena. They canceled our game. We couldn't get a flight back the next day because the airports were closed. The elevators weren't working at the hotel. Elevators weren't working. Weren't you this, staying in we the same hotel at, as the Green Bay Packers or something? They were playing the Browns, as I remember. We were staying um, at a beautiful hotel. We were staying, I think, at the Ritz-Carlton. Um, this is back in the days where... where Teams used to stay at places like that. And yes, the elevator was broken. So, and there was a uh, NFL preseason game going on. So um, it might have been the Green Bay Packers. There was some team that was staying there and all these huge men and tall women are, you know, using the stairs to, to navigate their way to their rooms. And then we had a hellish bus ride home the next day. We couldn't fly, but we had to get back because we played the New York Liberty the following day. And I just remember being on the bus. Well, I'll rewind a little bit. When, when we were out in Cleveland, one of my best friends from college, Jennifer Rosati, my former teammate, played for the Cleveland Rockers. So the game was canceled. So I met up with her and we went to someplace downtown. And since they had no power, their refrigerators weren't working. They were basically giving their beer away. <laughs> so Jen and I and Jen's husband, Sully, took advantage of that fact. <laughs> and I probably had a few more than I should have. So anyway, the next day when we get on the bus for this long i don't know how many hour ride back with only one vhs tape right no there was there was a i don't know if it was a dvd player a vhs player but you know there are a few television monitors throughout the bus but if you put the movie in the whole bus was going to hear it and a bunch of my teammates went to a best buy or something and i don't remember again if it was vhs or dvds and they bought a bunch of movies and so we're driving back i have a bit of a headache and the entire trip they're blasting these movies. And I don't even remember what the movies were, but I remember they were terrible. I remember the, the language was filthy and the volume was cranked up to 10. And just sitting there and thinking, what has my life come to? Like I'm spending a day of this misery. I And, and I think this day, this bus ride, or yeah, this bus ride might've been the day I decided to retire. I was never going to spend another day doing that. We got back to Connecticut. We had time to like unpack our bag, repack our bag, got on a bus, drove to Madison Square Garden for a game that had playoff implications. And somehow we got there, I think about an hour before tip and somehow we won that game. But um, we definitely played it. We didn't refuse to play, even though that was the worst, by far worst travel experience I ever had in, in the WNBA.
And I promise you plenty of NBA players have played after sleepless nights, right. uh, having nothing to do with any kind of travel complications, although the NBA did fly commercially into the late 80s. And all those great Celtics-Lakers finals, they were flying Boston to L.A. and back on commercial planes. I flew with the Cleveland Indians uh, from Toronto to Cleveland in the 90s. I was sitting, the Indians had one side of the plane. It was a short flight from Toronto to Cleveland. And the unwashed public, myself included, had the left side of the airplane. And I was sitting across the aisle from Indians reliever Jesse Orozco. Oh, sure, I remember him. was uh, chewing and spitting into the air sickness bag, which he would then hand to the to the flight attendant. Come on, no, he didn't. He absolutely did. Oh, that's disgusting. I mean, not that necessarily that he was chewing and spitting, but you shouldn't have to give that to the uh, airline flight attendant. Um, it's it's interesting, too, for, for Las Vegas. This is a team that has outperformed everyone's expectations this year. They uh, Asia Wilson, the number one pick out of South Carolina, is a stud. She's already one of the top 10 players in the WNBA as a rookie. Kayla McBride is an up-and-coming superstar for them. And they're probably one player away from being a team that can really contend for a championship. And this forfeit, this loss, could be the loss that goes a long way to making sure they don't get in the playoffs and therefore giving them a top four lottery pick. And so it's interesting in that regard because while this hurt their playoff chances for this year, long term for them, it's probably the best thing that could happen because they could get a really good piece in next year's WNBA draft. So as we sit here right now, the only punishment that they've been handed is the forfeit. But I'm interested to see if the league will um, do anything about that draft pick, if they will, um, assuming Vegas doesn't make the playoffs, which I think is probably a fair assumption, um, um, if the league will allow them to potentially still come up with the number one draft pick. One last tangential travel story. You were flying, I think, to Minneapolis with Holly or to L.A. Where we were going, going to L.A. through Minneapolis, so LA, right on all accounts. L.A. through Minneapolis. And you texted me a picture from the Hartford Airport with my book Stingray Afternoons on a table in the bookstore. Yeah, I was there. so excited. Great. Yep, right out front. And I showed the picture to our son and said, look, Daddy's book is in the airport. And before I could finish the sentence, he said with awe in his voice, pointing at the book next to mine, whoa, lost city of the monkey god we have to get that (laughs) oh that's too perfect serves me right on this flight that i took with holly again uh bradley airport in connecticut through minneapolis to la we're on the first portion of it it's um early evening and a guy across the aisle orders a drink and again i have no problem with morning drinking i have no problem with evening drinking but I couldn't help but overhear his, his order to the waitress, which was, I would like a gin and tonic, a double gin and tonic, gin on the side, two lemons and one lime. And he, he wasn't even, you know, friendly or apologetic about it, you know, because sometimes I order, you know, like weirdly, if I'll get a salad, I want this or that on the side. And I'll at least try to be friendly with the person saying, sorry, I'm being a pain, but can I get this on the side? He was very matter of fact. Gin and tonic, double gin and tonic, gin on the side, two lemons, one lime. I'm jonesing for a drink, but I also have scurvy. (laughs) And so she goes and gets him his drink. And then the guy who's next to me on the aisle is is just kind of, he hears the guy make the order. And he just, you could tell he just has a good sense of humor about her. And he kind of smiles. And so the waitress, a no-nonsense woman, comes over and she, she was young, took Holly's order, and I said, um, I said, I would like a Coke Zero 
with a lime, but I want the lime spinning on the top when you bring it to me. And she just looked at me thinking I'm serious for a second. And I just smiled and I said, I whispered, I heard his order. And then she just started laughing. And the guy who was across the aisle from me had heard me too. And he starts laughing, but he doesn't want the guy next to him to see him. So he's got one of those church laughs where his shoulders are kind of bobbing up and down. But uh, it became a running gag throughout our flight. She, the, the flight attendant came over. Here's your Coke with the lime spinning on the top. And uh, anyway, the... Uh, the, was he? Was the he? Demands the, of people are, are interesting. The last you saw him, was he making love to his tonic engine? <laughs> his double tonic. His double engine. tonic engine. Yes, he was. Since we're on this flow of, since we're on our travel flow, I think it's only fair that we get into our backlog of Uber driver confessions. He drives part-time, it's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call Uber Confessions. So I've had quite a few Uber trips, and all of them were eventful and interesting. Um, first, on one of my trips, the guy picked me up, uh, the Uber driver picked me up at the hotel. This was in Minnesota. And he was driving me, it was early in the morning, he was driving me out to Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. And when he picked me up, he said he does two Uber trips a day. One, his place of work is near the airport. So in the morning on his way to work, he picks somebody up, brings them to the airport. And then when he comes back towards the city uh, in the evening when he's done with work, he picks somebody up and brings them. So only two trips a day. It's more of a carpool or a ride share. Well, it actually, it works out beautifully for that because right now there's tons of construction on the highway out there. But if not, him having me in the car, we can go in the the high occupancy vehicle lane and it works beautifully for all involved. Andy gets paid for it. I have news for you. There's always construction on the highways out there. Yeah. Well, the construction at one point when I was out there recently was so bad, the highway was shut down. And so we didn't even go near the highway. You had to take surface streets. 35W was shut down. Exactly. Um, so anyway, along our ride, he was really nice guy. He was telling me he has six and two-year-old sons, and it somehow got into his six-year-old son loves Legos, and uh, he was telling me, you know, I told him not. He built his son built a uh, airplane, you know, one of those model kit airplane Legos, and uh, he said I told him not to bring it outside, and of course, he asked my wife. She said he could bring it outside, and he dropped one of the wings underneath the deck and now it's gone and i i said i really appreciate you sharing the part that it was your wife's fault that he brought it outside but um he was he was a really nice guy next time i'm in minnesota i take a a uber from the airport to the hotel and i took a picture of this i will post this on um on our twitter account that my driver had a box, a big box, not like a personal size, but a big box of Q-tips on his dashboard. And I even tweeted this from from my regular account, like what could he possibly have those Q-tips there for? And some people responded, maybe he uses them to detail his car, maybe whatever. So when we got to the hotel, I got out and he came to the back. Wrong. He came to the back to help me get my bag out. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm fascinated. I have to ask you, why do you have all of the, that giant box of Q-tips on your dashboard? And he looked at me and he clearly, his English wasn't terrific. And so he said, he just looked at me and mimed having a Q-tip, holding it up to his ear and vigorously cleaning his ear. So um, he just cleans his ear so frequently. I don't know if it's while he's driving or in between fares that he <laughs> needs a giant box 
of Q-tips. I'm not sure it was language difficulty. He probably just didn't hear you, given the amount of <laughs> earwax evidently accumulating. And I can relate. Yes. And uh, so this is another Minnesota-related, Minneapolis-related Uber uh, ride. And this isn't really so much a confession, but I, one morning I went out to have breakfast with your father, and my Uber came and I got in. And the Uber reeked of B.O. The entire car smelled like there should have been like a B.O. Christmas tree hanging from the mirror. It was gross. And and I was just thinking as I was driving out, like, am I going to get out of this car? And am I, am I now going to smell like B.O.? Like, is your father going to greet me with a hug and just think, Rebecca stinks? You know, like, <laughs> like how is 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 B.O. a transferable odor when you're just sitting in a confined space like a car? Well, I have news for you. You no longer smell like the airport. You smell like the Uber. The Uber, yeah, that's that's awesome. And um, and there's a, I just I don't know how long this has been in existence, but I I just realized that when you um, when you're fair, or I guess I'm the fair, when the Uber driver picks you up, you can you know click on them on on their profile and you see how many stars they have, but you can also see um, riders' comments. And so as I was driving out to breakfast, I'm reading this guy's comments. And one of them was good driver, but his gum smacking was distracting. And of course, up until that point, I hadn't noticed his gum smacking. But oh, was he gum smacking? And so for the rest of the ride, all I could think of in here was the gum smacking combined with the stink of the car as I was going out to my lovely breakfast with your dad. Well, this isn't an Uber confession, but it is automotive traffic related. Just today, while we were at the beach, I got a notification on my phone from Waze. I've never gotten a Waze notification before, so I assumed there was some sort of extraordinary traffic emergency. And when I looked at it, it said from 3.30 p.m. till 1.30 a.m. in Mansfield, there will be great traffic difficulties due to a Wiz Khalifa concert. It's the first time I've ever heard Wiz Khalifa in a traffic report. That's amazing. I wonder if Wiz Khalifa is playing at UConn. I would imagine he must be if it, if the if the issue is going to be in Mansfield. Well, I have one more Uber confession, and this should go hand to hand, hand in hand with my guy with the bo. But again, this was another Minneapolis Uber picked us up. A, a group of us. We talked about this last week. A group of us from ESPN went to dinner. And this Uber picked us up and and there was four of us getting in. So three people got in the back and I got in the front. And when I got in the front and sat down, I felt something rattling around by my feet. So I looked and it was a can of Axe body spray. So perhaps the only thing worse than getting out of an Uber smelling like BO is I got out of that Uber where at least my ankles smelled like Axe body spray. You know what? It's an easy, Axe is an easy um, joke, but I don't even honestly know what it smells like. We'll have to ask Denny Gallagher. <laughs> yeah, he probably wears X body spray. And speaking of Wiz Khalifa, Tom, Dick, and Harry's gig this summer at the Mirrors and Mus- Music and Mirrors concert was delayed, postponed. It was weather. I, I don't know what happened. But Tom informs me that Tom, Dick, and Harry have been rescheduled for Music and Mirrors September 27th from 6 to 7.30. Did you just say... Speaking of Wiz Khalifa. Speaking of Wiz Khalifa. Tom, Dick, and Harry's concert has been postponed until when? Including Harles Markley has been postponed until September 27th from 6 to 7.30. That's music and mirrors in the Twin Cities. You know, we need to probably be careful because, like, we, we joke about Axe Body Spray and, and you know, Denny's favorite cologne, uh, Denny with one N. We joke about double-breasted suits. 
Well, on a recent podcast, we talked about uh, the fur carpet toilet cover seats and the squishy um, toilet, to- seat, toilet covers. seat covers and the carpet that goes around the bottom of, of the toilet. And uh, one of our friends was driving our, our oldest daughter somewhere. And he said to her, he said, I, I listen to your parents' podcast and tell them that we have all of those things in our bathroom, but none of them were purchased by me. So um, when we when we have fun with certain things, we need to, to keep in mind that uh, some people who we care, care about, who we think fondly of, might be wearing Axe body spray while putting on their double-breasted suit and... Holstering their phone. And sitting on the cushy toilet seat. <laughs> Something that just was baffling to me that happened about two weeks ago. Our son has been complaining a little bit about his back being sore. He's nine years old, about his back being sore. And... He'd come into our room a couple of nights because he couldn't he complained he couldn't, he couldn't sleep. sleep. And um, I, this was when I was traveling. We came back and one night I, I was changing the sheets on his bed or something. And I was completely stopped in my tracks. And I looked down at his twin mattress and it was upside down. The the hard part of the mattress, whether it's the springs or the wood pallets inside or whatever, was facing up. I guess it's the springs. It was the springs. The springs the were springs exposed. The springs were facing up and the cushy, soft part of his mattress was facing down. I don't know when you did that, um, but it would have definitely been something you did because on I know, occasion... I know when I did it. Which was months before, right? We had dragged his mattress into his sister's room so he could sleep in there. On occasion, we they, they enjoy having a little sleepover where all the kids sleep in, in one room. And the next morning, he would have dragged the mattress back into his room and put it back on the bed frame. But it would have been, it would have been what, at least a month that he has been sleeping on this this upside down. And I guess... The, the, and I would, I would lie on that bed yes, to read with night. him most nights. Most nights, you lay down with him and read with him. And you didn't notice this. It was the most comfortable um, rest I've ever had. I guess I like a I like a, a granite countertop mattress. And, and this is the thing too. He doesn't go a full month without having his sheets changed. So I guess maybe it was because you, you didn't notice because the there was a mattress pad over it. But still, I can't imagine that you didn't feel that. I, I was baffled. I'm just looking at this mattress. Our poor son's complaining that he his back hurts when he sleeps, and it's because his father put his mattress on his bed wrong. No well, one else in the planet would do this. I know, no one. Just just you. I know you're supposed to rotate your mattress. Right? <laughs> Aren't you? Not upside down. Well, define rotate. Oh. Turn it turn it side to side and oh. presumably flip it over every once in a while. You do the same thing with the couch cushions. Why wouldn't you do that with a mattress? You know who started A&M Records, but you don't Herb have Alpert. any idea how to put a mattress on a bed it's it's absolutely amazing one thing you know not to put down an incinerator is the when you shut corn you don't put the the stuff down the the garbage disposal will totally screw it up when we were at the grocery store the other day we got some corn on the cob and when i buy corn on the cob i go over grab the bag throw in six ears or however many we want and that's that it's fascinating to me the amount of time and effort people put into choosing their ears of corn. They start peeling the the husk uh, husk back. That's what it's called, right? The husk. They start peeling it back, and then the and then the hairs that are on the corn. They're they're looking through them delicately. It reminds me of when 
Is it baboons that, that look through their offspring's head to try to find the bugs? And then you see the video of them pulling the little bug out and eating it. That's what it looks like to me. Why do people spend so much time? I mean, rarely have I come home and uh, an ear of corn, maybe there was an insect in it at some point and ate some of it. So what? You break off that piece of the ear and you throw it away. I just don't understand why people spend so much time just inspecting their ears of corn. This uh, brings me back to a childhood trauma. Holly asked last week why I don't like making phone calls to service people and gentlemen who fixed the furnace and that sort of thing. Uh, And was there a root in my childhood? Well, I know there's a root in my childhood for my ambivalence to corn in the cob, and that is because I was always given the task of shucking the corn on the front step. So I'd go out to the front step, it'd be 9,000 degrees outside. I'd have a paper grocery sack from Red Owl full of corn in the cob and a big boiling pot, the pot that you would boil it in on one side. And I would shuck the corn and put it in a the husks in yes, a bag. This, this is how it works. And the silks. Yes. They're not hairs. They're silk. silks. And then I would put the, uh, the detasseled corn into the pot. And I would then the corn would be inspected, and, and I would be judged on whether I did a good job, not so good a job. There's silks here. And then I would eat the corn, and I would notice I would have to peel away the stuff that was left over, and people sitting around me in judgment at the table would be peeling away the, the silks that had been missing. You're overthinking this, and I remember this happened early in our marriage, and I was... I'm not overthinking was, it. I'm telling you what happened. Okay. I was. This is something that happened early in our marriage, and I just remember being more than a little bit annoyed. You basically laid down the, the law. You said, I hate shucking corn. I hate it. So, okay, that means don't ask me to do it, which means I have to do it. So I do it. Have and now, I said now that, that about anything no, else in my life? Well, wait. But now that our kids are older, we can have them do it. But not only did you tell me that you hated doing it, so therefore the task was left to me. If a piece of corn ended up on your plate and it had some of the silk still on it, you would have the nerve to complain about it. <laughs> you, If you refuse to shuck the corn, you completely lose the right to complain of about any silks being on it, about anything to do with it. Just, I think that all corn shuckers out there would agree with that. I've never covered the Nebraska corn huskers for that reason. <laughs> it's not true. I actually covered a Nebraska corn huskers football game. Uh, time for our voluminous viewer mail. Yes, voluminous it is. Kids, it's time to answer our voluminous viewer mail, which has uh, been piling up over the last five or six days. This is from uh, Google, Gmail, whatever you call it. This is email. Is that what it's called? That's email, yes. Email. The address Ball is... Ballandchainpod at gmail.com. As for the airport-derived perfume, we, we asked for your suggestions on what Rebecca smells like the airport. What would the airport smell like? What, oh, would, what that, would that what fragrance would that be called? Be? Yeah. Well, Ed, our staff patent attorney in Silver Spring, Maryland, writes, My first idea was to call it Coach. Alas, that's been taken. <laughs> and he includes a link to Coach, the handbag maker. Right. Coach Makes a scent. As a, a woman's fragrance called Coach. While we could call ours coach, as your IP attorney, I need to point out that we'd likely get a harshly worded missive from coaches' attorneys, something about trademark infringement or some such bullshit. <laughs> is that a, I love that is that's that a stance, legal? I love that that's the stance of our of our staff patent attorney. Is that is that legalese? His uh, his declarative it's, there. It, it's beautiful, whatever it is. <laughs> Moving from our staff patent attorney to our staff statistician, Mark Simon, 
sent a tweet. He said, please talk about the Seinfeld script on the next show. Now, he sent you, I believe, a link to a to a column that was done in 1997, the first year of the WNBA. This is how staff statisticians work. They read something and they remember it forever for Mark. That's probably numbers and a bunch of other things. And it was a column that was done about me and Sue Wicks, my one of my favorite WNBA teammates of all time, hysterical woman. And um, she had said in this story that uh, she had an idea for a Seinfeld episode where I believe she and I date Jerry and George. Anyway, that I don't remember the particulars of the episode. I think I've told this story before on the podcast, though, that Jerry Seinfeld used to work out at the Reebok Club, which was at 67th in Columbus. And that's where my first couple, two years in the WNBA with the New York Liberty, we would practice there. And um, Sue one time fell down the stairs as she was walk- walking by Jerry because she was turning and looking at him. One time there was a big feature on Sue. I think it was a Newsday. And Jerry was sitting in the cafeteria um, at the gym and she went and just put the newspaper right in front of him and, and said, uh, this is more interesting than whatever you're reading. And um, so anyway, she had a very Seinfeldian sense of humor. And if she had ever written the uh, the episode, it would have been hysterical. But uh, that is that is the, the story about the Seinfeld episode. But she did say in that column that you would be dating George and she would be dating Kramer or something like that. Oh, right. That's remember. what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that you didn't want to date George or something. And then, and then eventually she said... She knew that uh, it was a good idea, but that she would get written out of the script and eventually it would be like Lisa Leslie was dating Kramer and I was dating George or something like that. But uh, Sue is just an amazingly funny and talented and smart person. Her father was a fisherman and she used to tell me all the stories about growing up on Long Island with her father as a fisherman. And she now is an oyster farmer. Would that would, would it be a farmer that she'd be called? She she goes out there. She's she is on Instagram and shows pictures of herself every day out there um, harvesting, I guess, oysters. It's She's a fascinating woman, and uh, and that's what she's up to now. And I just hope all those oysters have a sense of humor because she is one funny lady. Our friend and occasional correspondent Josh in Wyoming uh, grew up on a, speaking of oyster farming, grew up on a ranching and hunting operation in eastern Montana. And some of our clients were from Tennessee, he writes. Wade Houston came out when he was the head coach of Tennessee. Yeah. Son Allen, of course, uh, great player for the Knicks. Pat Summit's husband came out as well and brought my mom, whose name is also Pat, a signed basketball addressed to Montana Pat and signed by Coach Summit. It's one of my mom's most treasured things and was wrapped in saran wrap and put on the bookshelf before Mr. Summit left the house that night. I believe there are people that should always be referred to as Mr. or Mrs. or Coach and not by their first name, out of a sign of respect. Coach Summit is in that category for sure for me. Great story. Thanks for sharing, Holly. Josh had said earlier in this in this email that I have to admit, having someone not know Pat Summit should be grounds for a breakup, no matter how nice of a butt they have. <laughs> Josh in Wyoming is referring, of course, to... Holly, Miss, Holly telling the story of Mr. Switzerland. Mr. Switzerland. The best butt Holly had ever seen. She broke up with him after four years because he couldn't understand why Pat Summit meant so much to Holly. To go back to that that lovely story did you say she wrapped the basketball in saran wrap yes is before that not advice i don't know if it does anything bad to the ball but I've i think just, i think it preserves the freshness of it i've, I've just never seen a uh, sports item wrapped in saran wrap in the in the coming years i'm sure as people return your assigned merchandise to you <laughs> you will get a basketball wrapped in saran wrap 
I don't know if we've talked about this, but, you know, we've talked plenty about people returning their signed stuff to me. It's gotten to a whole new level of low in that my father recently gave me this big, beautiful trunk that belonged to my grandfather, actually. But it is full of all my newspaper clippings and all kinds of stuff. So not only strangers, but my own father is returning everything that my mother ever saved of mine because he sure as heck doesn't want it. It's a giant rectangular it's like a, it's a coffin it for is a very a, small that's person. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's a coffin. It has a handle at, at each end. And as we're dragging it from the garage down to the basement, we're basically pallbearers for your basketball career. <laughs> that is that is 100% accurate. We have an email from uh, Harry of Tom, Dick, and Harry, Harles Markley. From Harry. Harry. Harold Markley. Um, who writes that uh, he's referring to when Tom was a guest on our podcast this earlier this summer when we were in Minnesota. He thinks Tom should be flown in occasionally as a guest. I agree. Tom's expense, of course. Um, the comment of about how he and Tom met reminded Harry of Jill, Tom's wife's 40th birthday party, when, after a fun-filled evening, Tom escorted my wife Andrea and me to the end of the driveway. Tom said in an endearing way, I don't need more friends. I have plenty of friends, but I like you. <laughs> This led this led Harry to write the song that Tom sings about a relationship called, quote, I Don't Need Another Friend. That's the name of the song. Like many of our songs, we've not recorded it yet. If, we, if they had, we'd play it for you. Here's the chorus. I don't need another friend, but I like you. My social life is plenty full, even without you. We seem to get along. We sure like to carry on. Give me a call. Maybe I can fit you in. Well, one of the reasons I love this so much does that is, not uh, pretty much define all of your friends? Well, no. This this is what I love about this is I remember one of our neighbors telling us about an encounter they had when they first moved into the neighborhood, and one of the other neighbors brought them, you know, a baked good or something to welcome to the neighborhood. But the woman said to to our friend, you know, welcome to the neighborhood. I don't need any more friends. <laughs> like. Well, I'll be civil to you. We'll be good acquaintances, but my my friend bag is full. And uh, this plate of cookies is the beginning and end of our relationship. <laughs> exactly. And uh, as I get older, I can understand sort of that somebody thinking that. I can't ever understand um, somebody actually saying out loud, <laughs> other than your brother, because he could say that in somewhat of an endearing way. Harry plugs another gig in the PS to his email that their next gig is Annunciation September Fist on September 15th at 7. That's in Minneapolis at Annunciation School. Their Mears gig is getting rescheduled because it was rained out. So that, again, that's September 27th at 6 p.m. at Mears Park. Okay, and here is our final viewer mail. Um, and this comes from, I don't know, Lawlegref? Anyway, she said, or he said, love the conversation with Holly. I think she needs her own regular guest segment with, of course, her own intro music. Get busy, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Well... We actually do have a regular segment that we're going to be inserting into the podcast, the Holly Row Minute. The Holly Row Minute. Because even after we were done recording the podcast last week, she then started telling a bunch of stories that were hysterical and all re relatively short. So we recorded all of these stories, not a Hollywood minute. But a Holly Rowe minute, and yes, Tom, Dick, and Harry definitely need to get a theme song for For that. listeners who are younger than 90, a long time ago on Headline News on CNN, there was, I'm Sandy Kenyon with the Hollywood Minute. Does anybody remember that? You don't remember that. I don't remember that, I remember that, it no. distinctly. And uh, so this is the Holly Rowe Minute. Should we play a Holly so Rowe Minute? So right now will be the Holly Rowe Minute, and then right after the Holly Rowe Minute, Tom, Dick, and Harry will play us out. 
But first, the Holly Row Minute. Early in my career, ESPN was not so corporate. We, you know, we didn't have safety people and corporate people. ESPN was kind of a fly-by-night operation, and I took my son everywhere. So he was, I think, five or six years old, and I had him at the Minnesota Superdome. And Iowa was playing at Minnesota, and if Iowa won this game, they would clinch their first Big Ten championship in like 10 years. I think this was in 2008 or 2005. And so the fans rush the field. I rush out to get the interview because you know me, I'm very competitive about getting these interviews. And I'm out there trying to get to Brad Banks, the Iowa quarterback. And I forget that I have left my five or seven year old son on the sidelines unsupervised with 50,000 fans rushing the field. That's not a parenting moment that I'm very proud of. (laughs) He was okay though, right? He was okay. No one was injured in the storming of the field, but I completely (laughs) forgot about my child as I tried to get the interview. Have you ever forgotten anybody's name as you have to interview them in the heat of, you know, the action in the chaos of an arena? But um, one time they did throw it down to me and I couldn't hear, you know, sometimes they'll toss it to you like Holly has more, but you don't know what story they were referring to. And I panicked and I just froze on camera. And so I just moved my lips like and they're like, oh, it doesn't look like Holly's microphone is working, but I wasn't talking. <laughs> I just fake moved my lips. You created- they're like, we'll have to get that audio corrected. And, and then they came back to me later when I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane